Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. All right, hi again, everyone. Um, I hope you had a, a good week, as good a week as I had. This was a, an extra good week for me. I got in a barbecue and a hot dog roast. So it was a beautiful thing. I was just living the dream this week, and, and um, I think it might change a little bit this coming week, but uh, while it lasts, make hay, right? You know, when the sun's out, woo! Anyways, all right, we've got to get at it this morning. We've got a lot of ground to cover. In this ministry year, we have been working at trying to develop an eternal perspective, which is to say that we're trying to learn to take the long view in life where we focus on the things that God is, is interested in, where his priorities are in, from the perspective that he sees things, rather than working on the short view, if you will, of doing life through our lenses, where we look at life only from our perspective. And so we're trying to develop that eternal view. Gord started off the year talking about the fact that we might not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And that as we acknowledge God, that then He will direct us into the future, whatever that is, and He will help us through. And then we launched into a series that we called Potential, where we started to examine the power and the potential of the, of the Holy Spirit working within us, that He lives within us, and that as we tap into Him, as we lean into Him in our lives, that we have this incredible power going forward. And so we want to go into this year tapping into that, maximizing that, taking advantage of that potential. In February, we're going to be starting a new series where we're going to be coming in line with what the kids are doing in FBC Kids. And we're going to cover the same topics that they're covering there. And they apply to us every bit as much as they do to them. And so I'm looking forward to that too as we just kind of come alongside and as we focus on what the kids are up to and, and then also just give us a chance to be leaning into those kids a little bit more at home and grandkids and what have you. So that leaves today then. And this morning what I thought we would do is we would take advantage of this one week to talk about tithing. No cheers. Now, already, already, I know that some are either annoyed or nervous. Annoyed or nervous that we're going to talk about cash in church. And what's more, we're going to talk about not just cash, but yours and my cash this morning. And I get it. There's a stereotype out there that has us understanding or believing that churches are fixated on the money. That it's all about trying to suck as much money out of, we can, out of everyone's wallet as we can. That that's what church is all about. Or maybe more specifically that it's the, the pastors that are trying to suck every dollar they can out of everyone's wallet because somehow that that's going to lie in their own pockets. And I think that's really unfortunate. I think it's really unfortunate that that's the stereotype out there. Because aside from a few odd circumstances that are, that are notorious, I'll grant you that, but 
Other than just a few examples, I don't think that that's really the case at all. And, and so I don't really think it is a stereotype that's valid. Unfortunately, a few give us all a really bad name. So, I, uh, I'm disappointed by that. And actually, what I did was, just to make sure that that's not just a, sort of a notion in my own mind, I actually went back through my messages to talk about, or to see when I have talked about tithing specifically as a topic. And I tried to do it quick, uh, and I, I'm fairly certain I got it right. But as best I can tell, the last time that I talked about tithing, we talked about tithing here at church as a specific topic, was three years ago in January of 19, 2019. January of 19. And the time before that, the last time before that that I talked about tithing, was a two-part series that we did in March of 2015, so four years before that. So I don't think that this is a topic that we're really banging the gong hard on. And I hope that you'll agree that it's not one that's deserving of the stereotype out there that we're trying to just focus on the cash. So this morning, if, if you're not maybe annoyed or nervous, perhaps you're then puzzled. Puzzled, like, why are, why, why are you talking about cash? Like, I mean, Bob just got up on behalf of the board and said that things are good. Like, we ended the, the year really well and that giving was great. So, so why... Are you talking about cash? And just before I go on, I just want to say, I just want to add to what Bob had to say. I want to add my thanks. Thank you so much for your commitment this year to give to God and to FBC and to the mission that is FBC of reaching out and leading others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, you don't know how encouraging that is to me to see us all leaning into that, and especially in the way of our finances. So cool. So thank you. But despite that fact, despite the fact that we've done so well last year, I'm going to talk about tithing today because I'm convinced, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that tithing is not a financial issue. It's a spiritual one. So this morning, I'm not here to talk about finances. I'm here to talk about a spiritual matter that we can understand and that we can grow in through our finances. Tithing really isn't primarily about the cash. It's not. It's a component for sure. Tithing involves our cash, so it's a component. But it isn't the focus. In the same way, that dieting isn't primarily about the food. Dieting is about discipline. It's about health. And in the same way, then, tithing isn't about cash. Tithing is more about relationship, far more about relationship than it is cash. Tithing is about perspective. Our perspective in life. Tithing is about purpose, what our purpose is in life. So it's not about the cash. It's about our relationship. It's about our perspective. It's about our purpose and priorities. And so 
That's what we're going to talk about today. And, and though this isn't technically a part of the potential series, it sure could have been. It, it so easily could have been. Because as we lean into the area of tithing and giving, we will find, we will find a very tangible demonstration of the potential of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to see that a little bit later as, I, as we dive into this. As we lean into tithing, we will see the potential of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in yours and my life personally, and then I believe also in our life corporately as a church and beyond. So before we go any further, let's just again take a moment and pray, and then we'll get at it. Father, again this morning, Lord, as we come to this topic, God, I know it's charged. You know it's charged. Talking about cash is always very personal. We take it personally. And Father, it conjures up attitudes. It conjures up feelings in us right at the very outset. And so this morning, God, I would pray that you would come and that you would work in two, two ways. First of all, that for those that are nervous or annoyed, that you, would, that you would just come alongside them and that you would guard their hearts, that you would help them to see this differently today. For those that are perplexed and just wondering how this all fits together and, and what the deal is with this anyway, would you just help them to see and understand it for what it is? And then beyond that, Lord, I would ask one more thing. I would ask that you would also work in the hearts and of those of us that do tithe, that are already committed to that, that you would help us to see it differently even today, that you would open our eyes up to it in a new way, maybe in a way that we become jaded or just even complacent so that we would take advantage of it more. And I pray this all now in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. Okay, so if you... Just before we dive into this in earnest, if you're visiting with us this morning, if you're here, if you're online, uh, and um, you haven't come to the place in your life yet where you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to just say straight up, this message is not for you. I'm not asking you to give. In fact, I'm asking that you don't give. Don't give to the church, at least. Don't, don't give to FBC. If you're here and you're just trying to find out who Jesus Christ is and what this whole Christianity thing is all about and so on and so forth, well, I'd say, first of all, welcome, but don't, don't give. God's not interested in your cash, and neither are we. We're interested in you coming to know him. And so this is awesome that you're here this morning because in coming to know him, this is going to be a part of what you're going to be called to as a Christian. This is something that you're going to be called to as you commit your life to Jesus Christ. So you should know about this. It's important that you understand it for what it is. But until you get to that point, don't give. I'm not asking for your cash. Neither is the church. Secondly, this morning, I also want to say that... Um, well, let me just say one other thing. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ yet, I don't want you to give. And that's actually... you're a reason why I do give. 
I give so that we can earn an opportunity, that we can do this so that we can share God with you. So again, welcome. Thank you for coming. You're a reason that I give, and I appreciate you being here. Also, I just want to say, too, that this morning I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts and the details of tithing. So I'm not going to go into all the, all the details here this morning. You know, the 10% versus the New Testament perspective on that and, and so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. Not that that's not important, but I'm just going to cut to a, a different direction here this morning. And I, I would just say, if you're interested in that, if you've never kind of delved into that much, then I would refer you back to the sermons that we've done before. So it's really easy to do. If you go to YouTube and you look up First Baptist Church Lloyd Minster, and then you type in treasure hunt, that will take you to our series back in March of 2015. So you can see some things there. And then secondly, uh, if you go to First Baptist Church Lloyd Minster on YouTube again, and you type in timeless week two, it will be on giving. And that's another message on tithing there. So you can find out some more details. Another thing that you want to might want to check out there is if you're not familiar with it yet at all, is our 90-day tithe challenge. That takes place in the Treasure Hunt uh, sermon series, the, the first series. So go to Treasure Hunt, and it will talk about our tithe challenge, 90-day tithe challenge, where you can give to the church for 90 days, and if you don't find God in that, in 90 days we'll give you your cash back. And so there's a way that you can go about that there. It gives you some more details, and I'd encourage you, If you want to find out about God, find out, test about whether this is all legit or not, take us up on that 90-day tithe challenge. Today, though, I want to look at a a series of principles for giving, for tithing and giving that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. So it's Paul speaking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. And You'll know if you're familiar with that scripture, or if not, let me just tell you that that scripture is actually about giving. It's not specifically about tithing. But the principles that Paul goes into in that section of of scripture apply every bit as much to tithing as they do to just giving. And what's more, I would even say, I would go beyond that. I would say that it also applies to our service. That as we decide to serve God, as he calls us to serve him, that these same principles apply, especially when it, apply, when it pertains to our spiritual gifts, where we start to employ those and use those for God. So I'm going to look at this section of Scripture, understanding that it's about giving, but recognizing that it applies to tithing and it also applies to serving. So it covers the gamut there. As we'll see, Paul teaches here, that the primary purpose of tithing or giving or serving is to know God better. That's what tithing is all about. That's what giving is all about. That's what serving is all about. That the primary purpose in all of those things is for us, you and I, to know God better. So that's the bottom line. That's the relationship part of this whole puzzle. This whole piece, it's all about relationship. So let's go. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15. Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, the fo- for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. All right. So Paul begins here with an agricultural principle to make his first point. He starts with an agricultural principle. We're in an agricultural area. And so this hopefully isn't lost on us. For some of growing up in the city or if you're an urban kid or whatever, this might be not so quite as obvious, but we'll tackle it here and see what he's after. Paul wants us to remember that there is a direct correlation between what we sow and what we reap. More specifically, that there's a direct correlation between how much we sow and how much we reap. So, in other words, the more we sow, the more we reap. The less we plant, the less we harvest. So the implication here is that the same principle applies for us in our giving. He's not just all of a sudden taking a walk down the road and sees the the fields and thinks he'll throw in some sort of a tangential statement. He's talking about giving. And the implication from his point is that as we give more, we will be able to give more. That more will accrue to our account. But in this then, we find a problem right away, right? As we think about that, we see that there's a problem. Because while it makes sense to us that as we plant seeds, they grow up, and one of the things that they do naturally is they create more seeds, right? Have you ever seen a dandelion that doesn't create more seeds than the one that it took to grow? Right? That's that's naturally what happens with plants. They grow up, and then they find ways to replicate themselves, reproduce themselves. So as we plant, well, then they grow up and it produces more seed. But that doesn't sort of equate to our giving, does it? So what on earth is Paul talking about? As I give away, I've got less. Right? So I start with $10 and I give 5 bucks away, I don't suddenly have 15. At least it's never happened to me. I don't have maybe the gift of giving. Right? Now all of a sudden I got five. So what on earth is Paul talking about? Is he blowing smoke this morning? No, he's not. And we're going to get to that in a minute. He's going to come back and address this in a minute. But before we go there, before he addresses that, there's a couple of other things, other factors that have bearing on the point that Paul is making here that we need to talk about. So let's go on. 
Verse 7, each of you, he says, should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so as Paul pushes ahead here and tells us that we have to consider what we're going to give in our hearts, decide on it and and consider how we're going to give that in our hearts, because God loves a cheerful giver, there's two things that we need to pick up on, two things that I want to point out here from that one verse that Paul says. First of all, number one, is that our giving needs to involve our mind. All right? So our giving needs to involve our mind. Paul is calling us to think about what we're going to give, which is to say that we need to engage with God in that this morning. That we, as we are called to give, as we see opportunities to give, and heaven only knows we've got lots of those, aren't there? Like, there's no end of them. So that in and of itself should cause us to think. But Paul is calling us to think about what we're going to give. What we're going to give here, what we're going to give there. If we're going to give anything, if we're going to give a lot, if we're going to give a little. God wants to engage with us in what we give. He wants to provoke some thought, some, some connection to Him, some interaction with Him about that. So we need to engage with Him. If we're not engaging, now listen to me, if we're not engaging with God in how we give, what we're called to give, then we're missing the point. We're giving, but we're missing the point. Thoughtless giving, let me just say this, thoughtless giving is the short view. Thoughtless giving is the short view. It makes it about the cash. We've reduced it to the cash. Oh, there's a need? I give. Oh, throw them a hundred bucks. Whatever. Thoughtless giving is the short view. It reduces it to being about the cash. But when we engage with God in the process, when we engage with God in what He's asking us to consider here, what He's calling us to give, to contribute, to what extent He wants us involved in giving. Now we are getting somewhere. Now we're beginning to tap into what this is all about. At that point, our giving is now contributing. It's building our relationship. It's a catalyst. It's a mechanism that draws us to God where we start to engage with Him. And, and trust me, as, as you do engage with Him, He will direct you in this. He will come alongside you. You will know Him through this. It's one of the reasons why I want to just also say that as we give nowadays, we've got to be so careful. Because what we often are looking for is convenience, right? We've decided, okay, for those of us that know Jesus and are convinced about this already, Giving, tithing, awesome, we're in. And so what do we do though? We look for the simplest way to do this. Okay, could you just take it out of my check? I'll never even, or out of my account, I'll never even know it's gone. And now listen to me, I'm not, I'm not arguing the efficiencies and stuff like that. And if you're doing that, that's awesome, that's, that's great. But, but don't miss it. Don't let that just become such a, a housekeeping issue that we try and just simplify it 
mechanize it, whatever, so that I don't have to think about it because then we're missing the point. So one of the reasons why I keep, it's come up before. I'm off on a tangent here now. It's come up before. Why, why do you guys still pass the plate in church? It's because worship involves our giving. Giving is worship. And when we don't take a minute to do that, when we allow that to all be done between some bank account somewhere and another one over here, then we miss the point of what giving is all about. We've just made it a transaction. We've left God out of the picture. So Paul calls us here to use our minds as we give, to engage with God as we give so that we don't miss out on the primary purpose of what giving is all about. Secondly, the other thing that we need to consider here that Paul points out to us so clearly is that as we give, then we also need to evaluate our hearts. As we give, we also need to evaluate our hearts. Here Paul is calling on us to evaluate ourselves in our giving. We need to evaluate ourselves. So just as we are to think about what we're going to give, how much we're going to give, Paul calls us here to think about how we're giving it. How we're giving it. So that we can make an assessment of our attitude. We have to consider that. We have to think about that so that we can assess our attitude in giving. If we find, if we find that we're not leaning into giving, which is to say that if we're somehow reluctant in our giving, if we feel obliged in our giving, if we feel manipulated, coerced in our giving, etc., etc., then that's usually a dead giveaway. It's about the cash. It's about the cash. We're thinking about it in the short term again. We're thinking about what we're giving up. We're thinking about how this affects my life. Not what it's to do. Not what it's going to be used for. Not about the fact that I can engage with God in this and that I can know Him better as I give. That I've made it about me. I've reduced it to the short view again. Because my attitude isn't right. I, I, can, I can be convinced that I have to give. And I can consider it a bitter pill. I can be doing it and considering it a bitter pill. I can be doing it begrudgingly all the way along. And at that point, again, we're missing the point. At that point, God's saying, listen, listen, it's not about the cash for me. Don't give. Because I like a cheerful giver. The cheerful giver is the one that knows what this is all about. The, the cheerful giver is the one that is interested in me, that's trying to lean into me, allowing me to build into their lives. And if you're not there, well, then don't give. I'd say the same thing. Don't give, because we're missing the point. Instead, as we come to the point where we give as worship, where we begin to understand what this is all about, where, as we begin to derive the benefits that God intends for us as we give, and as we find Him in it, then we will give out of the right attitude. Then that will propel, that will... Promote our giving in the right direction for the right purposes and to the right ends. When our giving comes out of gratitude, 
to God for what He has done for us. When our giving comes out of gratitude to God for what He will do for others, like He's done for us, then we begin to engage with Him in this whole area of tithing and giving for the right reasons. That's the long view. As we take the long view, we do this the right way, and God is pleased with us. He sees us as cheerful givers, and that pleases him. And he leans into this process with us again. This morning, church family and friends, really simply, really easily, recognize today that God is not interested in your cash. He doesn't need your cash. He's interested in our hearts and our minds. He's interested in you and in me, here and here. And when we get on the page with him in that respect, now we're going somewhere. Things will happen. And we need to understand that tithing then is just such a simple and direct way that we can engage here and we can engage here with him. It's an avenue. It's an opportunity that he gives us to know him. Do you want to know if God is real? Are you wandering through your life thinking about this as, as, as if it's theory? As, it somehow, as if it's somehow just academic? then I would challenge you today. Start giving and engaging with Him and you will find that there is a God, that He is real. And that this isn't just some sort of an academic exercise. This isn't just some sort of a nice feel-good system, I don't know, that gets us through the, the day of the week. But that He's there. Verses 8 to 11 continue on. They now speak to that question that came up earlier, the concern of the diminishing resources prompted in verse 6. Verses 8 to 11 says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, Have they freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures? Sorry, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here Paul indicates that God is going to... that God is going to provide us back the return on our giving. It's not just the natural thing that happens like it does with seed, but that God is going to get involved. Which is to say then, that as you and I give, it provokes a divine response. As you and I give, the laws of nature don't kick in. God kicks in. 
And it provokes a divine response from Him to you and I as we give. Now again, don't miss that. As we give back to God, Paul is on record telling us that God will give to us abundantly. And this is crazy. Paul's on record. He's laying it down. That as we give to God, God will bless us abundantly, Paul says. So then, our giving is not just an exercise. It's not just a duty. It's not just an obligation. It's a means by which we can know and experience God in our lives. Because as we give, then that provokes Him to engage with us and to bless us going forward. We will know Him. We will experience Him by His blessing on us. Now, it's really important at this point Please don't turn off the TV. It's really important for us to understand that that blessing is not unqualified this morning. The blessing is not unqualified. The prosperity gospel, those proponents of the prosperity gospel, would stop at this point. And they would just say that as you give, God's going to bless you. He's going to make you rich. The giving... It's just a way that we can unlock God to pour out His blessing upon us and make us rich. That we can be balling. <laughs> it's not true. Not true. Got to keep moving through this verse here. Because here we see, as we continue, as we unpack this a little bit further, that the return blessing that we derive from God is qualified. Which is to say that God will bless us with enough, Paul says, what? For our needs. For our needs. And for the further work that He calls us to do. Not just for our fun and entertainment. Not just for our kicks and giggles. He'll bless us so that our needs are met and so that we have enough to accomplish the further good work that He calls us to do. And man, from experience, that rings your bell. It rings my bell. As I see that happen, and as I lean into that process, and then I, as I find the next thing that he calls me to participate in, to help out with, contribute towards, what have you, and I lean into that, and sure enough, son of a gun, he, I still have enough for my needs, more than enough for my needs, and more than enough for the next project that he calls me to. And so our, our, growing, our giving can actually grow. That's another whole topic. We'll get into that some other time. 
So our giving is not unqualified. It comes with a caveat. We need to understand that. But don't let that scare you off. Let that actually motivate you. Because we'll find God in that. Verse 9 continues. It's a reference to Psalm 112. Again, as you're reading through your Bible and you come to these things where all of a sudden Paul's quoting something weird and, and so on and so forth, kind of like, what's all that about? Dig a little bit deeper. This is just strictly a, a, a quote from Psalm 112. And we're not going to go back in, into that today. And it's not actually, incidentally, it's not just really referring to this one verse. He's quoting a verse out of Psalm 112, but he's actually referring to the whole psalm itself. And there the psalmist, what the psalmist is doing is he is defining, if you will, the characteristics, the character of a person who is after God's heart. And so what Paul's driving at here is the one who gives well, the one who gives well is like this person that's described in Psalm 112. I'll let you go home and check that out. It's cool just to go and, and see that. That's what's going on there in verse 9. Then verses 10 and 11, as we push forward here quick, they further develop Paul's assertion in verse 8. The God who provides for our physical needs will also provide resources for our good works of grace. And, we'll, and that will result then in an abundance of, of a harvest of righteousness. An abundant harvest of righteousness. That our giving will result in a whole bunch of what is right and good. And then, Paul carries on in verses 12 to 15. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This morning, as we carry on with Paul, we see here that not only does our giving result in benefits for the recipient and for us as the donor, but more significantly, it also results in acknowledgement and thanksgiving and praise to God. That there are, if you will, further benefits beyond just what's involved for you and I as we give and those that receive the gifts, however that happens, directly, indirectly. That there's further benefits. That God magnifies it, that He expands it, that He grows it, such that it now starts to pay dividends for Him Directly, as people acknowledge him, begin to acknowledge him, give him thanks, and offer, them, offer him their praise. Why? Why does that happen? Paul says, well, first of all, simply because of our generosity. Just on that simple level, our generosity 
provokes those things. But more importantly, he says it happens because it proves the reality of our faith. And again, now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. As you and I, because we've come to know God, because we've become to come to that point where we appreciate Him, where we're leaning into Him, where we've experienced Him, where we know Him to be real. And therefore, as we engage with Him in the things that He calls us to do, like giving, then our faith becomes real to those around us. They, they see First Baptist Church and they start to think about it in a different way. They start to understand us in a different way because God is now leveraging what we're doing to provoke in them a response to Him. Something that's different than they find in the world around us. Or at least something that, that should be different than they find in the world around us. Church family, I'm also concerned that right now the Rotary Club is becoming more known for giving to our community than our churches are. There's a problem with that. Because God isn't working through the Rotary Club. You, know, you, you can. Don't get me wrong. And the Rotary Club is not bad. Don't hear me chewing them out. Good for them. I was part of the Kiwanis. We did some cool things, I think. But the point is this, is that as we give, as we're engaged with him, and as we use the mechanisms that he has provided for us, then he can use those to leverage them for himself. When we don't give, we forego that opportunity. And right now, we're getting beat at our own game by the world around us. When I'm committed enough to give, that demonstrates to people that what I believe, I believe. That I'm sold out to it. That I'm in on it. And that provokes from them a different level of interest and engagement. What's more, Paul goes on and he says that it will also bring unity to you and I today. Unity to you and I and for those that we give to with us. As that money is used to go out and touch other people's lives, that that builds an affinity for them with us. And it creates a unity between us. Remember this morning, this is in the context, Paul's addressing here the Corinthian church. He's calling them to give so that they can meet the needs of the church in Jerusalem at the time. Okay? And so that, that's really important. Don't, don't miss out the cultural context of what's going on here. Because what this is, is, is he's calling these Gentiles in Corinth, if you will, to give to a bunch of Jewish people in Jerusalem. And at the time, there's a divide between Jewish and Gentile. The Jews in particular just didn't get that Jesus had come for Gentiles, that he'd come for those of us that are, not out, that are outside of the Jewish ethnicity, that are outside the family of Abraham. We talked about that not long ago. And so, 
what that's doing, Paul says, is it's, it's building a unity between them. That it's breaking down those cultural walls. That they're starting to understand that this God thing is way bigger than just an ethnic question. And that this is facilitating that, that that's pulling them together. And Paul is telling us in the same way, it will do the same thing for you and I as we give to outside of us as well. That as we go out and as we meet needs around us, that that will create an affinity. It will build a bond between us that will result in unity. And this world needs a little unity now. And as we do that, we'll see God work. We'll understand Him even more as that happens. Lastly, Paul ends this morning, and we need to end as well. Paul, Paul ends with thanksgiving and praise to God for the gift of his son. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. That through Jesus now, we start to understand this whole deal. That it was through God's gift to us that when he reached out and gave of himself for us through the gift of his son, that now, now we can know God. That now through Jesus we can know God beyond our tithing, beyond our giving. We can do that all the way. We can know about God and give. We can know theoretically about him and give. But when we understand who Jesus Christ is, that gift to us from God, the gift of his son, now we can know God way beyond even our giving. Whereby that our giving then just becomes some sort of a secondary level by which we can know him because we can know him through Jesus Christ first. Because that's where it starts. What's more? What's more? That as we know Jesus, as we understand what he's done for us, then we were motivated now to go out and give so that others can know him as well. Because that's the deal. That's the deal. That we've been saved by God through Christ and that we can't just sit on that ourselves because that makes the gospel the short view about me not about the big view, the long view about all of man that God wants to save. And lastly, that as we understand that Jesus came and that the gift of God's Son was Christ so that we could be unified now, not just together but with Him, but unity. You and I are sitting here today in large part because we are now unified. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's why we're unified. So this isn't just some tag on at the end of it here where Paul just says, oh, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is Paul saying, hey, there's a deal. Now this is the thing that motivates us. This is the thing that, that gives us confidence going forward. It's Jesus Christ and the gift of God through Christ. The gift of God through Christ to you and I. And at that point, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift because otherwise we're just whistling Dixie. Take your money and run. This morning, tithing and giving is not about the cash. Don't let anybody ever sell you that. Tithing and giving is about knowing God. Number one, first and foremost. Number two, tithing is about 
making him known to a world around us that needs him. And number three, tithing facilitates others coming to know him as well. Let's pray. Father, again today, God, you're so good to us. The gift of your son is just crazy. Lord, and it revolutionizes our world. It revolutionizes each of us as we come to know him and as we lean into him. And Lord, this morning, I would just pray again once more that you would take this whole topic of tithing and you would help us to understand that what it is is an avenue to know you. And God, that we would lean into that, that we would do so cheerfully, wanting to know you, wanting to be used by you, and that as we do, that you would engage with us and that you would grow us and that you would change us and that you would make us into the image of your Son so that we could be a testimony to the world around us so that they could come to know him as well. So I pray these things all now in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. I am sorry that I have kept you really late this morning. Remember, next week is Donut Sunday. Try and make up for it that way. Have a really good week.